Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We're putting the band back together. We're on a mission from God. Yeah, welcome to a new edition of Dropping In. Omar Echeverri and myself, Cyrus Sotsa. It's been a while since we've done one of these. We like to wait until we have guests who are worthy, and our next guest is no exception. We don't call him the Tiger King. We call him the Mavericks King. The man won that event over 10 years ago. He's done some incredible things in the water. I mean, if you're going to label anyone a waterman, Chris Burdish is no exception. Dropping In is Chris Burdish. Chris, how are you doing, man? Uh, morning, team. Thanks very much, Samaras. Thanks very much, Omar. And um, yeah, thanks very much for having me on the Dropping um, Podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And um, you guys are doing an amazing job. So keep up the good work. <laughs> okay. And where are you right now? I'm totally curious. Because, um, you know, where are you in the world? <laughs> where are you exactly? I think, I think that, that question isn't probably as, as important um, on day-to-day um, existence. But I guess right now, under the current circumstances with the global um, pandemic. I think that's that's always an important question. Everybody wants to know where are you, where are you stuck? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, where are you? The world are you? That's right. So I'm I'm down in between uh, Encinitas and Solana Beach in oh in California. Well, I so I lived in Encinitas for four years. Where where are you? What, so, so there's was, nothing in between those two. Uh, there's Cardiff. <laughs> oh yeah, duh. Cardiff by the sea, right? Yeah, Cardiff by the sea, and awesome. um, yeah, I actually just moved out of my apartment um, that I've been staying in in Cardiff, on and off between speaking and traveling all over the planet. Um, about well, actually about four, three days ago. So now I'm staying at a, a friend's place in Solana Beach, and then in about twelve days' time, I moved up to San Francisco to go stay, um, stay and hang with my girlfriend up there. This nice. is. A, a, this is like an unsettling time for someone to not have a, a, a stable home. That's Is this unsettling? Is it unsettling for you to be hopping from home to home right now? Or is this not bothering you? Um, that is quite an interesting question. But I think I've been, you know, I've been, I don't know what the right, how the right way to describe this is. So I put myself in really uncomfortable and changing environments. Uh, continuously, probably for the last 20 odd years. So I've become very um effective and efficient and a little bit more comfortable at becoming uncomfortable so um, so this is i wouldn't say this is normal for me but you know it's just part of sort of how my life rolls and how i try and um, sometimes even forcing change upon yourself is a good thing just to make yourself more comfortable with it and make yourself more resilient through through difficult and challenging and changing times and i think that's exactly where we end so i'm very Mm -hmm. fortunate that i've that I'm, I'm reasonably affair with, 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 with doing that on a continuous basis. Yeah. It's, uh, it's important to think what doesn't kill you um, makes you stronger at the moment. <laughs> I, stay inside. I got all these uh, mottos for my kids. I have three kids staying at home right now. So wow. this is probably like the biggest crash course in education they'll get in their whole lifetime. I hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I think it's an awesome experience as well. Just being able to have that and also learn to adapt to that as well. Like I, I think a lot of people find it really challenging. Yes, it is challenging in so many ways, but there's so many gifts and opportunities in this situation that we can all learn and evolve from and come out better, more evolved, wiser and, and stronger, you know, through it and getting the, the gift of spending time with, 
you know, a lot of time with, with, with friends and family, um, I think is, is amazing and learning to connect in a different way and other different ways and formats. Oh, well said. No, I think yeah. it's so important for people to remember that. And I'm curious, so you're going to go from, you know, Southern California up to San Francisco, which is one of the hottest, I mean, we're on the, the COVID topic already. Um, it's one of the hottest spots in the United States. I work in San Francisco, San Francisco shut down and you could see the effects probably I'd say two weeks before the rest of the United States. Um, how do you feel about going up there right now? Um, I think that's an interesting question for me, you know, it's all, it's all the same to me really. Um, you know, I'm being very fortunate. I'm, I'm a reasonably resilient um, individual. <laughs> I get to deal yes, with, you are. I've, yes. I've got to deal with, um, lots of, lots of challenge and lots of change in my life. And, you know, it's just about adapting and evolving into a new environment and there's opportunity in all of it. It's just your mindset and your attitude and the way you see the world really. And, um, I'm just excited and um, really looking forward to to the, uh, that sort of new new gift and opportunity to be able to learn and grow through. So um, yeah, can't wait. I'm just actually just focused down here because I'm I'm working on a, a whole lot of new material for a whole lot of different business models. Um, just because we've all been forced into different spaces to be able to adapt and shift shift and change and redirect, you know. And um, right, I I yeah. I. I, I I should, probably should have been going up there a couple of days ago, but I've been very fortunate that I've been able to lean into a, a really good friend of mine who's got a place that normally Airbnbs down in Solana Beach, which obviously not much on the Airbnb side is, is very functional <laughs> at the moment either. Really? Uh, yeah, uh, Mikey Moore is a good friend of mine and he let me use his place for two weeks. So I've actually just decided to come down here and just, you know, lay everything out and, and build new content, build new curriculums, build online courses for people that are actually just going to help people get through this really um, difficult and challenging time, which is pretty unprecedented. So yeah, great opportunity in disguise. That's yeah. Great. And that's, that's with your ahead, um, motivational speaking, right? Um, yeah. for all those people out there that I haven't heard, I've, you know, read up a ton and it seems like, you know, obviously being a hell waterman, it seems like you're, oh. you're really segueing in this part of your life into the motivational speaking. Is that correct? And yes, I mean, I, I do speak all over the world uh, as an inspirational, motivational speaker, but I think it, it's more about um, just finding different ways, um, ways and segues to be able to give, give back and help um, uplift and find the best for people and bring out the best in people across everything, across all different ways and platforms, really. So I do a lot of coaching on like peak performance and mindset coaching. Um, I'm also in the process of doing a, uh, starting up my new podcast, which is called the impossible sessions, which is about inspiring people with incredible stories. Mm. Um, we, we're in the process of just about to launch a new educational curriculum that, um, myself and a small team, um, all over the world have been building for about two and a half, three years now, which is called ambassadors for the planet, which teaches kids how to be outdoor, well, teaches how to ki kids to be, uh, more mindful, uh, more proactive and more um, more through design thinking. So it teaches them how to solve equations, solve um, puzzles, learn through the aspects and values of courage, adventure, curiosity, and it all ties into the 17 SDGs and it's all taught through these little animated um, um, figures, which is, which is amazing. So we're gonna launch that on Earth Day. That's really exciting. Yeah, and then these online courses that I'm building and the 10 tools that I've, that I've designed for, for um, isolation and lockdown success, which I've been doing online across Instagram and Facebook and 
LinkedIn, which are helping people get through this really challenging time. Because apparently I've got a little bit of experience about being in isolation for in school spaces for a period of time. <laughs> nice. So I, I turned my video on. So we're recording this through Zoom. Uh, and Chris is in, uh, oh. Chris Burdish is in Cardiff by the Sea, California, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Uh, I lived in Encinitas for four years, surf swamis or pipes every day. Uh, but you, Chris, you're an insanely accomplished individual. And, and I want to take a step back because O-Dog and I were both former um, uh, webcast commentators at Mavericks. We were both heavily involved there for many years. And you won that damn event in 2009. Not a lot of people. Oh, it was 2010. I apologize for that. And that makes more, and it makes more sense because by that point I was out of the picture there. Um, but, you know, there, there's only a handful of people who can call themselves champions at that event. Uh, Daryl Flevorosco, Greg Long, uh, Twiggy, mm-hmm. and uh, Pete, Pete Mel, I think, is a winner, and, and you. And I, I, I might be missing a name or two, but that might be it. Um, tell us about that event, though, because I think you were a last-minute entry, if, if I'm not mistaken. I might, be, I might be mistaken on that. This is going back 10 years, and I'm going off memory here. Yeah. But I believe you were like a last-minute entry, or there's some weird story for you getting in. And then I don't think you had your board when you got here. Tell us just about that whole day and that whole experience. Um, yeah, I, I can do that, but you're going to have to have a lot more time. It depends on what you want to dive into because that's a long story. It's a podcast. Um, that's a, the that's yeah, a beauty of this. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that whole story is actually, that became um, a book which I wrote called Stoked, which is a story about courage, determination, and the power of dreams and the power of resilience and, and you know, staying true and focused on your goals and, and staying staying on point and on path to your passions and your purpose and never giving up. And no matter the circumstances, the obstacles and the challenges, just never giving up and never getting in and until you succeed. And I think that story was, it, it, what I find amazing about that story is that as a book, it's, it is a surfing story, but it's actually, it's, it's a story that transcends sport because it's, everybody loves the story of the underdog and everybody loves the story about going against and overcoming great adversity to be able to transcend that and come out and be able to give back and use those Alexas to, to gift to the world, to be able to help people get through difficult and challenging times. So it was, it was a special day. It was still, you know, I think a lot of people still term it as the biggest, biggest waves in competitive paddle in surfing history. And I find that actually amazing, literally a, a decade, just over a decade and one, one month later, it's, um, it's still at that, at that caliber, which is incredible. When you see how much big wave surfing has progressed in the last decade in so mm-hmm. many leaps and bounds in so many different formats to still have a, a, an event of that happened 10 years ago, still be called that is, is pretty mind blowing. And I think it, it makes you realize that the ocean only serves up really ways of that caliber that can be ridden from a paddling perspective at a couple of like literally a handful of, destinations around the world only mm. literally every every couple of years you know we get an we get what we call anomaly or or decade anomaly swells which only happen every every literally almost 10 years like the like the greatest storms of of the time and right the ocean and, and the world and the wind and the and the nature works in cycles and um, i was just very fortunate that i've managed to be on the planet for two of those big swells. One was in, in 2000 when I managed to time travel a swell and become the first person to surf Jaws for the first time. I got paddled, then fly over the swell at night, surf Mavericks the next day, then drive down through the night by myself down to 
Toto Santos, which I'd never surfed on the same swirl and wow. then show up at Toto Santos, a place that I'd never surfed before in the biggest, cleanest waves I'd ever seen before on borrowed equipment on zero hours sleep surfing a wave that I'd never surfed before and winning an award that I didn't even know existed, which was for the first ever XXL biggest wave paddle into of the year award on, on literally tracking one swell over the trifecta of a place that had never been paddled before then to Mavericks and then to Toto Santos. So yeah, um, that was That's a very insane. Yeah. Insane. I'm rewinding back to that Mavericks event. Um, I, I commentated that one. I, I actually yeah. handed you the check, which is fun. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I never, <laughs> yeah, that was a big just check. So, just so you know, I never got half, half that money. That's, that's oh, I did. I heard that story. Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait. Um, tell, us, tell us about that. You never got half the prize money. It was 50 grand, right? Yeah, yeah 50 grand would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but on that, so I, I want to talk about that swell real quick, though, because th yeah. was that the, the swell that Sean Dollar caught a wave on the sidelines, too? That, yeah, that's right? correct. People don't so, know that. that so Sean, Sean Dollar, I think, in between the semis and the finals, he caught the, the Guinness World Record for the biggest paddle wave, which I think was 66 feet or something, right? Yeah, I remember that. I think that. it was crazy. It swung right in the middle. And then, I, I, you know, I commentated Mavericks three times, I think, maybe four. I, I honestly can't remember. <laughs> it's foggy. But um, that was... I think the best event for waves, conditions, drama, and, like and, it, and it consistency, I think, and consistency all the way through the day. You know, the waves started out being enormous. Like people didn't realize how big it was until they got out there. And then yeah. it just, and then it just continuously just got bigger during the yeah. day, which is, which is really unusual for a big wave event. It normally gets smaller through the day. It's sort of peak of the swell happens either in the morning or the middle of the day. And the fact that the, the, conditions still allowed for the most advanced big wave surfing that had ever been seen and people didn't die is yeah. just an absolute like yeah. i don't Insane. think people look back when when they look back on it now when i look back on that day i'm like wow the fact that no one died that day is absolutely staggering because this was the year <laughs> pre pre-inflation vest so the day right. after was the day that that shane paddled out and got a two-wave hold down. And then yes. he rented the vest yep. from that next day. Yeah, That was the same event yep. where I think like people on the beach were being wiped out. And O-Dog, you thought yeah. you were going to die, right? Because the oh, tower... You, you were, you the, at, were you in the tower when it was? <laughs> I was, dude. I was in the tower when the rogue wave came. It, wow. it literally crashed over. And I felt so bad. It actually landed on old lady's leg. She broke her leg. <laughs> dude, it was uh, pandemonium. It was yeah, no. Well, you must remember, so I just flown 42 hours on like a last-minute call... Mm -hmm. um, I was completely wow. broke. I borrowed money from my, my brother and a couple other friends at the airport. I literally left my, my, my sales agent um, sales meeting with my clients in my, in my boardroom when I got the call from Jeff. Yeah. And I had to say, hey, sorry, listen, I'm sorry to take a call. I gave it to my assistant, but I was like, I've got to quickly fly to American go and compete in an event. The guy's like, oh, April Fool joke. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm actually leaving now. Gave the phone, handed <laughs> over to my assistant, walked downstairs, got into my car. My car had my boards, my bags, my passport, everything in my car ready to go because that's how I have to roll because it takes more than 40 hours just to get to California from, from South Africa. South right. Africa. And right. we only get 48 hours notice. And Jeff was like, well, there might be a swell. It's like, you know, it's two days before the wedding period. It looks like it could, could run are you able to get here? Can you get here in time? And I was like, well, if I literally get up right now and leave, 
I might make it. Like that's how close it was. <laughs> and it's not like, and I think people don't, people don't really, they don't get it. Like I, I'm in South Africa, like it could take anywhere from 40 to 52 hours to get there from when I decide to go. Then I've still got to go down. So, so most people are like, oh, okay, well then you go home and get all your stuff together. No, no, no. You don't have time to do that. So unless you've pre-prepped in advance and you have everything traveling with you in your car, 24 seven, seven days a week over a four month period, when you are in that country, you miss it. You miss the only opportunity that's gonna get you there. And while right. I was traveling to the airport, I was phoning up my brother who was in travel, finding out if he could find a, a flight that would get me there in time, even if, even if it was gonna run, which I didn't even know yet. By the, time I, wow. by the time I pulled into the parking lot at the airport, he called me back and he was like, Chris, you won't believe it. There's only one flight that'll get you there in time in the morning that you wanted to get there. It arrives four hours before the event's gonna run. There's one, one seat left on the flight and the, and the flight closes as in for boarding in an hour and a half time. So unless you are <laughs> on the way to the airport or getting to the airport, there's no way you're gonna get there. And I was like, oh, well, I'm actually just pulled into the airport right now. Like, let's see if we can make this happen. And then I went in and um, there was a whole, it was for the, like, I think there was Olympics on at the time or something and it was like overcrowded and overbooked and everything else. And I phoned up Jeff and I was like, okay, listen, you gotta tell me like what's happening is the event on because like I've got a, there's one seat left on the flight. I've got to book it, pay for it right now. I'm at the airport. And if I don't, if I don't book it, pay for it now and check in within the next 20 minutes, I'm going to lose the ticket, lose the flight. And that's the last one that's going to get me there. And you know, what? Jeff turned around to me and told me. What? He was like, uh, Chris, we're having a bit of a problem this year, making the call. Um, we're still waiting to hear back from three or four of the other contestants that are chipping in to, 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 to decide on the call because it was a, a very yes. difficult decision of when, if the yeah. event was going to run or not. So instead of using the normal way that they had done in the past, where between Jeff and three other people and Sponsor and a couple of people, they made the call from the, this, that year. And the only time ever that year they used, they got that to wait. They got all the, the input from all the different contestants to, to, to decide whether it was going to run because it was so big and it was so like touch and go if all the conditions were going to be paddleable. So they're like, so Jeff was like, uh, we're still waiting for three more people. Um, call me back in two hours time and I can uh. let you know. And I was like, I'm going to be bored in the flight in 15 minutes and paying for it. If I, if I wait two hours, the, the, by the time you make the decision, right. my flight will be, will be in the air. And that's the only one that I've got to make. And Chris, when you keep saying Jeff, you're referring to Jeff Clark, you know, yeah, that's, that's the legendary correct, yeah. man who discovered Mavericks. And so what was your, what was your uh, day job? Like, what were you doing when all this was going down? Well, I think, I think what, what a lot of people don't just, yeah, I, I talk, I talk about Jeff quite loosely. I mean, obviously he's an incredible human and he's an incredible um, individual in so many ways, besides the fact of surfing Mavericks like 10 years by himself. 15. Which, yeah. 15 years. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's, I mean, that just in itself is like, people just say that without even thinking through what that actually, what that actually means. Or right. That right. That's pretty like incredible just in itself. And, uh, I was very fortunate that I met him in 2000, the first year that I came over. And like, you know, I'm, I didn't have any big sponsors or any fanfare or anything else. Like I just decided I want to go over there and ride this way that I'd heard a lot about. And I ended up arriving by myself. I didn't know anyone. 
went to the hostel, Utah hostel, stayed by myself. Um, was writing these tiny little boards. I was writing like, <laughs> yeah. What writing, were you writing? Because it looked like um, that was also like I feel like a, a revolutionary contest because that was the first time people started actually stepping down from like all all my friends that were in it. Like there, so they were like slight not undergun, but they're writing. You know, you know, they're going a little bit shorter, but a little bit like, more performance. And then you were writing a small because Skin Dog. I'm like, dude, who's Chris? What? <laughs> like I, and and he he's all bro. This guy's gnarly. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, I'm all cool. And he and he gave me a little breakdown on your history, so I could not sound like a complete idiot on the microphone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> thanks. But um, you know, what guy. were you writing? Really that speaking. was that looked nuts. Like it looked like yeah, you were so, recording. So I was um, so that. I think it's, it all started, sort of started out in, sort of in 1998. I went to Hawaii for the first time, and I've, I've been surfing in South Africa. And it, you know, a lot of people that know big wave surfing know that we've got pretty, pretty interesting surf over there, and it's very raw, and it's very rugged, and it's very wild. Right. And I, think, I think that's one of the main contributing factors to why the guys that come from South Africa, the charge, they, they really are they, – they're pretty – they're pretty hardcore because we come from a place where the conditions and the elements are so raw and they're so intense and they're so wild and they're so gnarly. And there's no like luck gods on the beach. There's no palm trees. There's no white sand beaches with the places. Like a lot of the time we pad in like a mile out by ourselves. You know, we surf in these kind of places, maybe with one, two, five people out, 10 people out. And, um, and a lot of places are really difficult to access and, and the elements there are so so raw like that's the only way i can describe the conditions there and what happens is that it just it forces you to become so resilient to these and and be able to deal with really difficult and wild conditions so when we come like the first time i went to hawaii i came over to hawaii and i and i suddenly stepped into these this beautiful sunny environment with palm trees and a wave that broke in the same place all the time. And there were like lifeguards on the right. beach and women in bikinis on the beach. And you're like, <laughs> oh my God, really? Is this for real? And you, you know, you're in board shorts and what have you. And it's just, it was, it's like big wave wonderland. You know, you think you've like been <laughs> into some sort of dream um, because we're used to just such harsh conditions. And then when I went over to Mavericks, you know, a lot of people find like find Mavericks incredibly daunting and, um, and terrifying, and yes, it is a super intense wave, and I'll never take anywhere thing away from it. It's probably, I still believe, probably the heaviest spot around. But uh-huh. I come from a place where the conditions are very similar to that. So for me, it was it was sort of a natural transition, really. Um, and you refer to dungeons, right? Like dungeons and mavericks, or so dungeons, sunsets, and the crayfish factory are all very okay. similar in in those kelp, dark, cold water, sharky. heavy, sharky. Wild, ele- wild elements, you know. Well, you guys have a good track record. I mean, you got Twiggy, you got you got quite a few Chargers. So yeah. I'm noticing something was working. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, and I also think that you know we come from a place where we don't have anything on a golden platter, and we don't have big sponsors and everything else that, that pay us salaries and what have you. So everyone's, you know, most of the guys besides when Twig became world champion, you know, um, everyone's paying for their own way you know they don't have big monthly paychecks coming in we're working two different jobs you know i was running my own agency business looking after like seven or eight brands um and then i was training on the side you know i was training 
in the morning before work and I was training after work and that's just pool training. And then I was cross training between everything else. Um, and then working a full day in between, you know, and when I talk about a full day, like people talk about a nine to five, like I've, I've never heard of a nine to five job. I've worked from like seven till nine. It's like a 15 hour job. Like that's my, that's how I've grown up and then still training and fitting things on the side. And I think that's what people don't understand that when you, when you bust your ass to get an opportunity and make things happen for yourself, then when you have that opportunity, you make it count and you become incredibly resourceful, incredibly innovative. And you have to have an immense amount of courage, passion and, and purpose and belief in yourself that you're going to go forward with it and, and do whatever you say you're going to do, because you've got no one to back you up. You've got no one there that's handing you a check on a monthly basis. And, you know, when I went over, I didn't have, you know, I couldn't stay there for four months over the winter in Hawaii um, as a paid professional athlete. I was working and, you know, <laughs> I come from a place where right. the ran the ran to the, to the dollar was like at that time it was 12 or something. So like, you know, basically I could, you know, put a deposit down on a house for the amount of money that I was spending just coming over for <laughs> like five weeks, which is yeah. nuts. And I literally could only afford to go away for four and a half weeks for my business and have my assistant run it before I had to go back and sell range again. So what I, what, it, what it made me realize was that, if I wanted to go over and make an impression and become one of the world's best or get recognized as the world's best, then I was going to have a five week window to do that. Everyone else is over for the whole winter and then they flip over to another winter and that's what they do professionally. I had five weeks. And in that five weeks, you know that there might only be three, four, maybe two, three major key storms that are going to generate the big swells that you're going to need to be able to make that impression and impact. And then there might be some smaller swells on the side. So how could I, so then you think to yourself, okay, if I want to become one of the best or be one of the best, how do I do things differently to be able to stand out from everyone else? And then I just started analyzing everything about the sports and everything about myself and how I could change everything to make myself different to everybody else. So I looked at my equipment, I looked at my physical training, I looked at my mental training, and I looked at my preparation from all the different spots that I was planning to go and surf. And I analyzed each one of those down like with meticulous detail, did like uh, changed all my equipment down to like smaller equipment. And then I worked on the physical aspect to try and like develop my own version of big wave training to be able to make myself as physically prepared that I could possibly be. So I was so stupidly fit across the training regime that I, that I built for myself that I ended up, building it into a course and doing courses all over all over the world from that because clearly it worked because I'm still alive. But I, I spent a huge amount of time uh, mimicking underwater, you know, underwater training experiences of what would happen if you were caught inside by a five wave set. What would happen if you fell on a wave and didn't get a chance to have a breath and then still got two to three waves after that? What would happen when you're using all your energy underneath the water and you still need to to hold your breath for a certain period of time? How would you train if you had all the air um, blown out of your system and then still hold your breath. So mimicking every single possible environment that you could possibly put yourself into and then, and then do that every day uh, and, and practice to be able to learn to calm your mind through the different stages you go through before you black out. So I, I, I think that's yeah. great. I mean, you, you, um, you, a lot of people or the public, I think has this, um, idea of big wave surfers just being you know reckless which they are obviously 
but crazy you know, for sure. So, yes. See, yeah, crazy. See, I, but, <laughs> but also, I totally disagree with but that. Calculated, <laughs> but calculated, but calculated. Like a lot of the ones I'm friends with, like it's yeah. like they're not only have that edge, they're also extremely calculated. <laughs> like talking, yeah, to I, think, them, I think breaking you know, down think, swells and like you said, breathing yeah. techniques. It, it's amazing that so in tune with not only being a little on the nutty side, but also in tune with their body and what they're preparing for and and shit like making sure they fucking live in some serious yeah well, I, I think it's very simple you know when your incentive for success is survival then your preparation needs to be pretty next level you know it's really that simple so i always yeah. I always work by the principle of plan for the worst hope for the best and physical fitness equals men mental confidence and so i just built myself a regime that built me up into a space where i was so physically fit that i was literally just like oozing confidence i felt like i was Im immortal like a uh, between my underwater training regime that I'd done, which I was training, like I'm at the freediving world champion that was tra training at the same German pool that I was training with every day. And I remember the one time she came, she was like, wow, I've never seen anyone train like that. Like I'm training for the world freediving world championships. What are you training for? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm actually a big wave surfer. I'm training to go and, and, and go over and surf the big waves in Hawaii. And she was like, wow, I've never seen someone trained as much as you, like you hear almost every day. And I said, yeah, well, I'm here six days a week. So she's like, ah, oh, that's incredible. And you train more than me. And I said, well, this is my second session of the day. And she looked at, <laughs> she looked at me as like about absolutely nuts because I'd already trained before I went to work that day. And that was at five o'clock that afternoon. And then well, I was cross, cross training between running and everything else. And surfing was just a very small part of it. And that's proof right there that hard work does pay off. I still don't know what surfboard you were using it for the for the day you won the, the title and how you got the board. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I like I just <laughs> believe that just the ultimate preparation. So I, I looked at all the different spots and uh -huh. I looked at all the different locations and I analyzed them down right from all the different information I could grasp around every single area. So when we're talking about Jaws, we're talking about Toto Santos and Mavericks, and I you know researched the bathymetries, worked out entry and exit points, how the different swells changed everything and how they broke and what have you so like from a and then a mental aspect i was just breaking down how how to mentally work through these different scenarios and break them down so by the time i got there and the 10 years before i'd been surfing the i'd been surfing mavericks for 10 years by myself and that's how i connected with jeff because he i think he saw a lot of himself in me because i was often going out and surfing mavericks by myself in like the worst conditions like onshore foggy raining uh, whatever conditions I was surfing because I just wanted to become so in tune and so comfortable with the place that I could surf the condi like any conditions. Right, and um, Jeff must have loved you for that because that's well, think, his mentality too. Yeah. That well, he kept on hearing about this guy that was surfing out this crazy South Africa. We were surfing out there by himself in these like really wild conditions. And he came down the one day and I remember I was walking up the path. I'd been surfing Mavericks by myself that afternoon. It was like onshore, crossshore, westerly, horrible. <laughs> it was like uh -huh. misty. I got wrapped around mushroom rock, almost drowned. And I came walking up the path and I just saw this figure in the distance with the headlamps behind me. And that was Jeff. And he was like, ah, you're that crazy South African I keep on hearing about. You're going to cuff you, come and stay with me so you don't kill yourself. <laughs> and, that's, and that's, yeah, and that's how we got to know each other. And I was riding like boards that were like 710 to, to 8.2 at the time. Um, and then I and then I really went big onto a nine footer. <laughs> shaped me a, a nine footer. But I, you know, I believe that I could separate myself from everyone else's surfing by by being so physically fit that I could put myself in later and deeper into waves and still 
survive one because I was super confident that I could handle it if I got if I fell and two I was riding smaller boards which meant that I could only get into the wave later but when I got in later I was taking off more critically and when I was taking off more critically I had a smaller board so I could handle the drop better um which which and once I actually got onto the face if I made the drop then I could actually ride the wave a lot better than everyone else that was on these like 10 sixes and 11 o's and all those kind of that bigger boards and I could really ride out doing these big wrapping arcing cutbacks and stuff which was awesome but um yeah I mean that day was really unique and my boards didn't arrive my none of my equipment arrived I flew for oh. I had to get on the flight wow. without even knowing that the event was had was going to run right and um that was a massive call because I was overdrawn on every single one of my bank accounts from actually being over there the month <laughs> before um which I'd saved up enough money to be able to go there for a month. I was one of the top 24 in the world. And my sponsors at the time um, gave me a contributing amount to be able to go over to compete and represent my country as the first um, uh, person invited from South Africa. And they gave me, how much did they give me? Uh, two of their bottom range wetsuits to be able to um, sell towards my trip. That was, <laughs> that was the complete sponsorship package for, for me to, to become one of the, one of, the top 24 in the world to represent my country. All right. Time to take a quick break to talk about true classic tees. Super excited about this new sponsor for our show. They just sent us some t-shirts. I tried it on. I'm in love. I'm stoked on it. Style is changing. Formal wear, especially now more than ever is out. I mean, if you're staying at home, you want comfort. And the t-shirt is Comfort 101, and it's Style 101 for homeware. They're based in L.A. They're a t-shirt company that's on the rise. The t-shirts are soft. They hold up in the wash. They're incredibly versatile. You could wear them outside if you go for those walks with a dog or whatever you're doing when you step outside for those few moments. And they're especially comfortable if you're in the house. And the best part, they're incredibly cheap. They're only 15 bucks. And if you use our promo code... You can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code BLEAV. That stands for Believe, which is what we're on the Believe Podcast Network. Again, that is trueclassictees.com. And if you use the code Believe, you get 20% off that $15 price. Amazing. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code BLEAV. For 20% off, that's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. Oh, that's so epic. And, and uh, you know, I know you talked a lot about your motiv- motivational speaking and books. What about surfing, like events? Um, what, what's next for Chris? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I was very fortunate to, to, to do really well that day. And I think it was really, it was really even more challenging because in the first sort of 10 minutes of that day, I got caught in, we, I think three of us got caught inside by still to the day, this day, the biggest biggest waves in the history of like that I've ever seen land on my head and uh, dragged us almost a mile underneath the water. And um, I almost blacked out. So I lost the ability to be able to use my arms and legs and even the ability to be able to speak by the time someone got me. And that was in the first five minutes of my day after flying for 42 hours, borrowing mm-hmm. equipment. And then, well, you know, there's your wake up call for the morning. Welcome. To that's how you, wait, that's how you felt you wiped out. And when you emerged, you couldn't move your arms or legs. No, no, like no. We got, we got caught inside. Like I got one wave and then about three of us got caught inside by still to this day. Okay. I think the, the biggest set that came through that day was in that first five minutes of the heat. Oh, and I, I, 
I came as close to drowning as I've ever come. In how do you, how do you, how you immediately recover from that horrific sounding feeling to come back and win the event? That's uh, crazy. Well, you have to read the book. Oh, fair enough. Well, you know, all right. Time to take a quick break to give some love to our other sponsor, Bet Online. It's not easy to bet right now. There's no sports. There's no NBA. The NHL is canceled. Baseball's opening day pushed back. Although baseball bores me, but still, I know a lot of you love it. What are you going to bet on? Well, if you go to betonline.ag, you can still have some fun. A lot of fun. You can go to their online casino, play some blackjack, play some poker. And sports aren't totally done. There's still mixed martial arts. You can bet on American Idol. You can bet on political elections. You could bet on the spelling bee. And betonline.ag, they have a $750,000 poker series. There's still a lot of fun to be had, folks, if you love to gamble. If you go to betonline.ag, and use the promo code MYPOD100, you're going to get a welcome bonus, okay? All you got to do is enter the promo code MYPOD100 for a very nice welcome bonus. Again, that's betonline.ag. Use the promo code MYPOD100. Bet online. The fun never ends. Well, you know, like Chris, uh, and you can follow Chris on Instagram. You have an yeah. insane following there. Just follow him at Chris Burdish. I was on your Instagram account, and I saw a picture of you and our previous guest we had on the show a couple weeks back, Sean Thompson. You both are very similar in that you've written these, ins- these motivational, inspirational books. Um, you're both South Africans who are here on the West Coast of, of California now. Um, that's very fascinating. You know, besides Mavericks, I think the, the other accomplishment you're most well-known for is stand-up paddleboarding across the entire Atlantic Ocean. Um, this is why... I think the more appropriate title for you is Waterman as opposed to Big Wave Surfer. Tell us about that experience, I guess, is the best you could. I mean, what is it like to paddle across the second largest body of water in the world? Second largest body of water. Well, what would be the first? Pacific. Okay, but yeah, the Pacific is, that's simple because it's littered with islands. So people would just paddle to Hawaii, but paddling to Hawaii would be cheating because that's like, it's, it's like only two thirds of the distance. So. Wow. So what's it like paddling? So I guess that, that is the longest crossing you can and do. And it's warm and it's, it's, you know, it's beautiful. It's, it's Hawaiian weather. So that would have been, that would have been a really, <laughs> that would have been a really easy, more manageable choice would be doing wow. the Hawaii route. Um, yeah. The route that I took was from, from uh, Morocco to the Caribbean, which is, uh, yeah, uh, you, I dived down South, for about a thousand miles and then 3,000, just over 3,500 across. So, but yeah, non, non-stop, unsupported, unassisted, no support boats. So let me just clarify that and just put that in perspective right okay. off the bat because a lot of people go, oh, of course you had a support boat. And you're like, uh, no. No, you um, didn't. Yeah, and people are like, oh, well then, you know, you can just call someone if you needed any help. And that doesn't work either because you're out of range of any support craft or any emergency services or any help. There, and there are no airplanes or helicopters that can get you because you are so remote. You actually, when I was in the middle of the Atlantic, I think after about 35 days, 40 days, 40, 45 days I think it took me to get to the to the middle and I remember on that day I probably I was probably the most vulnerable that I've 
ever been as a human on the planet where I was, <laughs> yeah. think about it, you, you know, I was over two and a half thousand miles or 2,200 miles from land either way, any direction. Oh my God. And I was actually closer to the astronauts on the space station than I was to any other human on land. What? <laughs> and I should have been oh, absolutely nuts. terrified Crazy. because if you think about it, you, you should be terrified because if it yes. happens, you, yes. you, there's no one that can get you. Yes, and it sounds terrifying. And the interesting <laughs> thing is that I become so in tune with my environment and myself, and I was so in flow with everything in that space that I'd never been happier and in a better place in my entire life than right there in that moment that day, which is pretty amazing. But I think that is. You know, to be able to give to, to give context, I think anybody, you know, I, I battle with, with with the perspective when people talk about people that you know, ride giant waves like me, they must be crazy. Or people that paddle across the Atlantic on a stand-up paddleboard, they're nuts. I think it's, you know, people, people take it from, it's all about perspective. And everything's about perspective in life, actually. Right, that um, is correct. And, and it's the same, yes, this, the epidemic that we've got at the moment is unprecedented and it's, it's horrendous. And most people are panicked and going into this fear paralyzed state. But it's also, you know, and that's all about perspective and mindset. Like, do you see it like that and get wrapped up in the negativity of it and go down that path, that downward spiral and, and, you know, go into all the negative things that you can come from it? Or do you, do you have the mindset to be able to turn around and, and see the opportunity and, and how you can grow through it, how you can come out a more evolved, better human being in every way and use this as a transcendent experience to be able to see such great opportunity and, and see it as such a gift to be able to move through it and come out, in a more positive life. And I think that's, that's a big part of everything that I do. And I talk about it, I coach on is, is about perspective. Yes, big wave surfing looks crazy to people that don't come from that space, people that aren't prepared, people that see the ocean as a, volat as a volatile place of, of fear for them. But if you grow up in, in an environment where that becomes your home, then you're more comfortable in that space than on land. And if you have done the necessary, like huge amount of planning and preparation, so you, can so you can limit or remove the risk or minimize the risk so you can proceed with confidence, then it's the same as anything else. And most people don't see the natural progression. And I'll use big wave surfing as an example, and then I'll use stand-up paddleboarding as an example. They don't see that I started surfing when I was 10 years old. I started, I didn't start at 60 foot waves. I started at one foot waves, like everyone else. And then I started surfing two foot waves, three foot waves, four foot waves. And over, over a 25 year period, I got to the point that I was surfing really big waves, but that was only because I was constantly pushing my comfort zone. And every time I got to a state where I was, I was fearful in a, in, in a certain environment that was greater than my previous experience, I would learn to be able to control my mind, be able to push myself through that space and then continuously put myself in that space until my comfort zone shifted and I could move it up another notch. But people don't see that. They don't see the natural progression. They don't see the steps that you're taking, which is just a natural progression until you are doing something that for you, in your mind, seems natural and normal. By the time you're surfing 30 to 40 to 
30 foot, 30 to 40 foot face waves without blinking because you, one, you train for it, two, you prepared for it, three, you're doing it all the time. So that becomes your new norm. But for right. people that, would not, that don't have that perspective, it suddenly seems crazy. And it's exactly the same as the standard paddleboarding thing. They, don't, they didn't see that I, you know, I learned five years before. I was taking all my knowledge from big wave surfing, from sailing as a professional sailor all over the world. I was taking all of those elements, combining them, then my adventure experience. And then I, was, I started doing the, the long distance downwinders. I started doing 10 miles. Then I started doing 20 miles. Right. Then I started doing um, the right. South African record. Then I did the, the, the world record. Then I did a Guinness world record, 12 hours nonstop. Then I did a 24 hour record. Then I did a five day open ocean adventure up the rugged wild coast, west coast of Africa from like Cape Point, the Cape of Storms, all the way up like 200 miles up the coast by myself unsupported where I got completely schooled, but I learned so many valuable lessons from that. And all these steps that I'm talking about, every single, every single mission I did, my team got bigger. I learned like lots of things. I didn't succeed at the 24 hour record until the fourth time. I nearly died once because um, the conditions got so dramatic in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning. Um, our, our support boat, which was a 60 foot fishing boat, almost overturned. Like it was, it was gnarly. Like when I say wow. gnarly, like I'm, I'm talking serious, like seriously wild conditions. Yes. But, but, but the, I think the, the greatest takeaway from that is that when you don't, like when you're moving through and you're doing these progressions, like people, people think, oh, okay, well, if you don't succeed and you, you die or whatever, then okay, obviously you, you, you quit because you failed. I don't believe in failure. I only believe there's a failure to try. So when you lose and you don't, <laughs> don't lose the lesson and all you need to ask yourself every single time is what did I learn from that experience as a building block to my pyramid and my framework and my foundation? What, what building block was unsuccessful and what can I learn from that and how can I remove that and replace it with something else that I've learned from to be able to make me better for next time? Right. You, you, in other words, you look at failure as, as, a, as, a, as a variable for personal growth. I personally exactly. think what makes big wave surfers like you crazy is, that, is the fact that your comfort zone can continue on up to 30, 40, 50 feet. It's like I think stepping that is, stone. Yes, I think, I think <laughs> that is what That's exactly what it is, stepping stones. And you can use that to anything in life. That's a great, that's a, like, and I, I have a multiple different stepping stones in South Africa. So in, in big wave surfing in South Africa, you go from surfing the Kom, which is like a six to 10 foot wave. Then you okay. go from, to the factory, which is the next stepping stone, which is like eight to 12 to 15 foot. Then you go to, to sunset, which is like basically 12 feet up to as big as it gets. And then you go to dungeons, which is just the same version of that. It's just more wild. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I think yeah, as long as you put in the stepping stones to anything in life, it's, yeah. you, can, you can move through that. The, the difference is that most people don't make the choice and it's all about choice. Yeah, it is. That's because most people sure. don't like change and they don't like being put into environments where they don't feel comfortable. Well, because they could die. But I mean, Chris, I mean, in a lot of people's defense, <laughs> they could die in those conditions. Whereas if, a five foot wave, you're not, you're not going to get killed possibly. Yes, Cyrus. But it's, <laughs> but it's, it's right. Minor. Minor detail. It's minor detail. It's when you push yourself. That's where you find, that's where you grow the most. And that's where the magic happens. And that's where you learn the most about yourself. And that's where you evolve as a human. 
And that's where, the, that's where your greatest potential lies. Just past <laughs> your fears. Just past that comfort zone. <laughs> I love it. love it. Love it. Chris, we do, we do have to wrap things up. You could follow Chris yeah. Burdish on Instagram at Chris Burdish. You can follow him on Twitter uh, at Chris underscore Burdish. How can people find your book? And you, you mentioned you had a book out. Yeah, um, so, yeah Stoked is, um, you can get, get it on Amazon. Uh, I think it's almost got a five-star rating store. Which is nice. Um, and then I'm working on the Brad. next one, which is called All In, which will come out next year. The film um, Ocean Driven, you can download on, I think it's on iTunes um, with Apple, which is Ocean Driven is the story, is that the story of, of, of the Mavericks event and my story, life story up until that point. Nice. And then, um, and then our new film, which is called The Last, Last Known Coordinates, um, is a film on the transatlantic, which I've worked filming for literally five years. And um, that is finished, and we're looking at it hopefully coming out in the next sort of six months, and that'll launch globally. And that's a really powerful story um, of, of isolation, lockdown, and uh, 93 days alone in a, in a space that's not much bigger than a coffin. Um, alone for 93 days from Morocco to Antigua. But obviously wow. I think a lot of people wow. don't know that it was all done for charity. So I believe that when you're driven by passion and powered by a purpose greater than yourself to be able to give back and help others, you can get through any challenge and obstacle and even achieve the seemingly impossible. And what, and, and what apropos timing for a movie like that in terms of right. isolationism and, and learning to cope with detachment from society as a whole. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I've been, I think that's why um, my little 10 tools for isolation and lockdown success that I've been doing on, on uh, social media every day, um, I think I'm on tool number seven at the moment, um, is really getting a lot of um, in input. So I'm actually going to be building that into a, a little program that people can also um, take away from and doing little videos um, that help people get through this really challenging time. Because I don't think there are a lot of people out there that have spent 93 days alone in a, in a shoebox. Um, <laughs> no. Da daily de dealing with um, giant great white sharks trying to attack them. Crazy. Um, you know, multiple super tankers trying to run you over, getting dragged down oh. by multiple <laughs> um, giant squids. And then, you know, almost thinking you, you, you're sinking all the time. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good story. So. Yeah. So the book and the book is called Stoked and Inspir Inspiring Story About Courage, Determination, and the Power of Dreams. And you're right, you have 51 reviews there. It's almost the perfect five stars. I need to read this book myself. Good job, Chris. And all this stuff is available on chrisburdish.com. Is that correct? That's how and people can find all your content. Yeah, that's that's true. And then um, at the moment, we're in the process of launching uh, my foundation. We just got 5013 status, which is the Chris Burdish Foundation which is all about inspiring courage, confidence, and self-belief in the youth and, and um, in, in people. And it's all about education, conservation, and sustainability. And, you know, I believe that if you have a voice and you have a great following and you have a duty and responsibility to be able to use that, that voice as a positive role model, be able to help and inspire people all over the world to believe in themselves and what you can do. And I believe that if you, if you really have a goal and a dream and you take daily steps and actions towards it and you, you stay focused, resilient, and you never give up. You can get through anything, even even lockdown and isolation. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Amazing. Chris, Thanks, thank you guys. so much. The, and again, it was, it was a pleasure to finally meet you. I, I've been familiar with almost every, all the major Mavericks competitors except you, and I've been wanting to interview you for a long time. The 2010 champion of Mavericks, Chris Burdish. Again, go to chrisburdish.com. You can follow him on uh, Instagram at chrisburdish, on Twitter at chris underscore burdish. 
Um, and again, go to his website, chrisburders.com to find all of his amazing content. Chris, thank you so much, man. Stay safe. And, and yeah, we're stoked to finally have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Cyrus. Thanks, Omar. And thanks, team. And keep up the great work, guys. And, thanks, um, Chris. Everyone thank out there, everyone out there, stay safe, stay, stay healthy, stay happy, stay positive, and we'll get through it all together. Uh, love it. Love it. Calculated and fucking crazy. Right on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chris. Nice to meet you, man. Take care. Brother, Stay safe. Uh, yeah. Let me know if you guys need anything else. And thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That's Chris Burdish. Uh, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you so much, Chris. O-Dog, how are you doing, brother? We haven't done a Good. show since all this craziness happened. I know you got to run. Yeah. It's madness, no, dude. I'm good. I know it's madness, man. We, we should do a show next week just wrapping up everything that's been going down. It's just been yes. crazy, hasn't it? It's been absolutely and, insane, but uh, definitely growing as a person along with the rest <laughs> of the world, dude. <laughs> yeah, you're so absolutely many right. different man. ways. Um, dude, great interview, though, man. That guy is fucking crazy, dude. What the heck? <laughs> what a, I mean, just what a human being. I mean, wow, it's, it's the... I wanted to, I feel like it would just be a whole other uh, podcast. I just, I just wanted to get his feedback on that whole experience crossing the Atlantic. You know, that's a, the type of a person we got to have on again. I mean, when, when, yeah. is, when anything comes out, just have him on. I mean, obviously <laughs> he, can, he can go into depth and, and uh, dude, he's done some crazy stuff and I've, I've looked and look, go online. A anyone who's listening, go online just um, Google the pictures of him in this little like stand up paddle boat looking thing, man. I, yeah. I can't even imagine. I mean, it's scary not being in, in a true open ocean in a boat and <laughs> that thing. So I'm like, wow, that's, he's crazy. It is crazy. It's insane, cool. man. Yeah. So it's, I'm glad I finally have interviewed him. And uh, again, we've been, wa we've been wanting to do for a long time. I mean, his, his story in 2010, him and Twiggy, I mean, these two South Africans just come out of nowhere and they both win at Mavericks. It's, it was very unprecedented and very impressive. All right, brother. It was good yeah. talking to you, man. And stay safe. Stay right, sane. Brother. Right? That's I mean, I, stay sane, I think that's even the, the more difficult thing in this day and age is you're going to stay sane. Like stay it's, sane and safe. And, um, dude, yeah. we're all in it together. Let's get through this. Let's get all, right, brother. Let's all right, brother. We'll do go, another go, show go. soon. All right, brother. <laughs> Later. <Okay>. Later. <laughs>